0: Good morning and welcome. I'm grateful to Pastor Chris for giving me the opportunity to speak this morning. My name is George Robertson. My wife, Jan, and I have been attending IPC since September 2018 following my retirement as the pastor of Knox Presbyterian Church in Waterdown. Let's pray together and then I'll read from God's Word and offer some teaching on it. Father God, we receive this reading from John 14 as a gift of your love for us. You are the speaking God, and your heart is for us to hear a word from you. In the name of your beloved Son, Jesus, speak to us now by the power of your Spirit. Breathe life into us, Spirit of God, that we might follow Jesus, be like Jesus, live like Jesus, We pray this in the life-changing name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The reading for this morning is taken from verses in John chapter 14. John 14, verse 1. Jesus speaking, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then going to verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. As the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. A friend and colleague in ministry of mine, Fred Stewart, tells the story of uh, taking a course at St. Michael's College at the University of Toronto. The professor had asked his class to write a paper that would account for the rise of Christianity in the first century, how they could account for the the rapid speed that it took place with. And so the papers had all been handled in with lots of effort and diligence on the part of the students. They had done their, their research. They had cited all kinds of geographical and sociological reasons. Standing before the class, holding all of the papers in his hand, the professor proceeded to drop the whole lot of them into the garbage can, and he said to the class, it was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. Now think with me of a, of a baby when she is born. She hasn't breathed in her mother's womb. But when she is born, she takes a breath. And it's from that point on that she can begin to live on her own. So long as she breathes, she lives. She has life. No breath, no breathing, no life. I want to ask you if you you can do this. Just just try this with me, a little experiment. If you can hold your breath right now, just don't take a breath in, just stop breathing and, and hold it for a moment if you can do that. Now take a deep breath in. Just as a baby coming out of her mother's womb cannot live on her own, cannot breathe on her own, she takes that breath And unless she takes that first breath, she will not live. And so too we cannot live in relationship with God without breathing in God life and then breathing out of our lives the holy breath of God. You will grow and I will grow and IPC will grow as followers of Jesus when we are breathing in, breathing out the breath of God. I'm going to need you to hang in with me for a few moments here because I'm going to dig down a little, uh, a, a little deep here and I, I want you to listen carefully and take this in and, and try to digest it. John Taylor, who was a, a former bishop of Winchester in the Anglican Church in, in England, wrote a book in the late 1960s about the Holy Spirit. and It had the catchy title, The Go-Between God, the title of the book. It, you know it's years decades later but it still resonates with me the bible tells us that god is love we we read in scripture that god the father loves god the son and we also read that god the son loves god the father but the question is how do the father and the son communicate how how do they share that love to and with each other besides just being loving as Two persons. Well, it happens through the person of God, the Holy Spirit. The deep, deep love the Father and the Son have for each other finds expression in the person of God, the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit indwells the Son as the expression of the Father's love. The Father is in the Son by the person of God, the Holy Spirit. And the person of the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in God the Father as the personal expression of the Son's love. The Son is in the Father by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I hope that's not too confusing. I I, I think you can find it uh, simple to remember and and to understand by just keeping in mind that the Holy Spirit is the go between God in the Godhead. And remarkably, there's even more to this. You need a, okay. You just gotta hang in for a few more moments, okay? The Holy Spirit is the go-between God in the Godhead. But the Holy Spirit is also the go-between God for us, for, for you, for me, for, for IPC. The Father and the Son are made real for us, real for us by the person of God, the Holy Spirit. How do you come, think of it, how do you come to be able to say from the depth of your heart that Jesus is Lord or God is my Abba, God is my Father? It's by the Holy Spirit breathing God life, breathing Father life, breathing Son life into our lives. It's by breathing in the Holy Spirit. God the Father and God the Son make their home in us by God the Holy Spirit. Now sometimes in the Bible the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Christ, sometimes as the Spirit of God. That's interchangeable because remember now, the Spirit is the go-between God in the Godhead and then in our lives. Uh, Prior to chapter 14 and in chapter 13, Jesus uh, uses his death as the standard of love that his followers were to have for each other. John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. His death was, was imminent. And Jesus was going to great lengths to assure his disciples, he does this in John 14, verses 3, verse 18, verse 23, that while he's going away, he will return. Now we typically, usually read these opening verses of John 14 as our promise of our heavenly home, of the second coming of Christ. Let me just say the verses again for you. There are many rooms in my Father's house. This is Jesus speaking. I am going to prepare a place for you. I am going to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus was assuring his disciples that he was going away to the Father's house to prepare a place for them where there are many rooms. And he promised to return to be with them forever in his Father's house. So what is Jesus talking about? Well, it was confusing. I mean, at least the disciples were confused. Thomas was confused. He spoke for the uh, others in verse 5. He said, Lord, we we have no idea where you're going. I mean, what's all this mean? Jesus then went on to explain what he meant by his going and his coming again. And here's the thing, the background, the, the, the context for it all. It's all within that context of Jesus coming to his disciples, to his followers, after his resurrection. Now you can check this out for yourselves. You can read in chapter 14, verses 16 through to verse 20, or, or go on to chapter 16 and read verse 16 there, and verses 20 to 22. Jesus promised to give his followers another counselor, the Holy Spirit. They were not going to be orphaned. They were not going to be left alone. Jesus explained then to him what he meant by many rooms. Now the word that Jesus used in in verse 3, it appears only one other time in the entirety of the uh, New Testament. And that's when Jesus uses it again in chapter 14, verse 23. Here's what it says there. Jesus speaking, all who love me, will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Now now get this. Through the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son would come and make their home in each one of Jesus' disciples. The Apostle Paul makes the same point when he writes in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that God, the Spirit of God, lives in you. In the Father's house, there are many rooms where the Spirit, as the go-between God, between God the Father and God the Son and us, comes to live and dwell. The, the, the verb form of the noun room, which means to dwell or abide, is used repeatedly throughout chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John's Gospel. And friends, you need to see that right here, this is, this is huge. This is remarkable. This is life-changing and transforming. The Holy Spirit abiding and living in us is Jesus' promised return of God's personal presence to be with us as his people. And it's the work of the Spirit to bring to us the life that is in the Father, the life that is in the Son, so that we get to share it and we get to experience it right here, right now. Jesus says to his disciples in verse 16 of chapter 14, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. God the Father, through God the Son, by the power of God the Holy Spirit, gives us his life so that the life of the Father and the life of the Son can make their home in us. John Piper, the well-known Reformed Baptist pastor, paraphrases Jesus as saying in verse 23 of John 14, If you love me and you keep my word, my Father and I will come to you and in all your sufferings and trials give you heaven on earth. We have prepared a dwelling for you in heaven. We are that dwelling. And if you have me, this is Jesus speaking, if you have me and you keep my word, we will come and we will be that dwelling for you, in you, now. I take a step back and I can only say, wow, that's... That's really quite the theology, isn't it? It is. But you know, friends, we, we can't stop there because now it's time to ask uh, another question, a very important and pertinent question, and here it is. So what? So what about this theology of the, of the go-between God? So, so what? I would think that many of you might know folks who wear the bracelet with the letters on it, the four letters, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Have you ever thought to yourself, I could never do what Jesus did. I could never live like Jesus lived. Not, you don't need to be bashful about saying yes, because I know I've said yes to that numerous times. I've I've thought that many times for uh, my own life. Living in a, a time of pandemic and being age-wise in the vulnerable category has had me asking questions about my own mortality and the meaning of life for myself because after all who am i who am i i'm i'm just a little old man and when it comes to, to this wwjd stuff well i'm not jesus and i'm i'm not god i'm just we george just plain ordinary george i was born in fergus i I lived for a year in Saskatchewan. I lived three years in British Columbia. Wonderfully met my wife Jan there. I, I've enjoyed 45 years each summer with her in Prince Edward Island. All the rest of our life spent in Ontario. Who am I? Who, who am I for me to think for a moment that we Georgie could be like huge Jesus? Who's kidding me? You know, I, I'm, I'm kidding myself, really, to think that. that that's, that's impossible. Unless, unless I ask myself and you ask yourself, how did Jesus live the life he lived? The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 that Jesus gave up all his divine privileges to be born as a human being just like you and me. So, We receive that as truth. That's the truth of Scripture, okay? We receive that as truth. How then did Jesus do it? As a human being, just like you and me. Friends, we have to remember this, that whenever we look at Jesus, we are looking at someone who was able to do everything that he did, able to live the kind of life that he lived because he was filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I lack the time to give you all of the explicit and the uh, implicit gospel references to Jesus' absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit during his earthly life and ministry, but he did. He was totally and completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So if I was ever to wear a bracelet with WWJD on it, the answer would be exactly the same for me every single time. What would Jesus do? Jesus would, as a matter of first importance, Jesus would, first of all, look to the Holy Spirit to be his helper. Jesus breathed in God life. As a fully human being, just like you and me, Jesus breathed in God life so that he could breathe out God life he was able to love as he did he was able to lead like he did he was able to live like he did through his complete dependence on the person of the holy spirit empowering him to do so think if you would with me of jesus in the garden of gethsemane and there he is in the deepest depths of his anguish and his agony before going to the cross for he knew he would die. And what did he tell his disciples? What did he say to his followers who were there? He said this, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, I, I don't think that Jesus was referring to the better part, the, the stronger part of his human spirit being what was willing. I don't think that for a moment. I think he was talking about the Holy Spirit giving his human spirit a willingness to strive against his human weakness, his human propensity to shrink back, to to shirk going to the cross, to have this cup of death taken away from him. It was the Holy Spirit who gave Jesus the willingness to his very human spirit to obey, to say, to live out, not my will, but your will, Father, be done. The trademark of our lives as followers of Jesus is to be our hunger, our our longing, this this thirst that we have for, for more, more of the Spirit of God to empower us and to help us and to fill us and to breathe God life into us so that we can love God and we can love others. We can live like Jesus lived, love like Jesus did. I have to admit to you that I feel a a very real sadness that there could be many of us who might be willing to settle for living as famished and self-satisfied and complacent and dehydrated Christians, shriveled up, shrunk up, dried up. And we'll never be able to move forward and to advance forward in our lives as followers of Jesus without the regular, if not daily, awakening of our eyes being opened up to the life that's available to us through the Spirit of God breathing life into us. Friends, I have to tell you that there's a stark reality and choice that's... that that that's right here before each and every one of us. It's that choice between being shriveled up or thriving, that choice between being dried up or overflowing. Calvin Miller, in his book, Loving God Up Close, writes this, Awakening is the act of our coming out of sleep or lethargy so that we may infuse our lives with a greater spirited vitality. It must occur... Every morning of our lives. Today in the uh, Christian calendar is called Pentecost Sunday. It's 50 days after Easter Sunday. And it's on this day, Pentecost, that we remember the outpouring of the Spirit of God on the follower of Jesus as it's recorded in Acts chapter 2. The pouring out of the Spirit was not meant to be a one-time thing. In Calvin Miller's words, it must occur every morning of our lives. Every moment of our lives, for that matter. The 19th century uh, evangelist D.L. Moody was asked one time why why he always spoke of the continual need to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. And he had a three-word answer. Because I leak. I leak. In one of his books, Moody wrote this. The fact is we are leaky vessels and we have to keep right under the fountain all the time to keep full of Christ and so have a fresh supply. Now I know that I'm, I'm, I'm mixing metaphors here of, of water and air but I, but I hope you see it and I hope you get it. We have to keep breathing in and then breathing out. We have to keep in the flow of the spirit. We have to stay in the river of the spirit. We have to be under, as it were, the fountain of the Spirit, because we need to be filled again and again and again, continually, with the Holy Spirit. Well, it's uh, time to pray, and, uh, because I want to I pray about this for myself and for you and for, for uh, IPC. And I have uh, two prayers that I want to ask you to join with me in. On, uh, on September uh, 27, 2005, 15 uh, years ago, I, I, I printed off a, a, a chapter of a book from a 1992 book by uh, Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, the uh, former Bishop of Durham in the Anglican Church in England. And the, uh, the chapter, it's available online. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the, it in just a moment. But the, the chapter title is called The, the Prayer of the Trinity. And this is 15 years ago, and I've held on to it ever since. It, it hasn't reached my shredder. It's, it's not going to go to my shredder because this has been an important read for me. Uh, I've had to come back to this again and again through the years. And if you want to get it for yourself, you can find it at www.ntrightpage.com. Www.ntright, Just, when you go there, type in the, uh, the search bar, uh, Prayer of the Trinity, and you'll get it there are, are three parts to the one prayer that uh, Tom Wright has there. And it, it's a triune prayer. It's the prayer of the Trinity. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, Renew me and all the world. Now, I want to highlight the part, the prayer, about the Holy Spirit. Wright says that we are to draw in God's breath by praying, Holy Spirit, breath of the living God. And then after having drawn that breath in, exhale the breath that has become our own by praying, Renew me and all the world. And we are to pray that every day. And perhaps we want to pray it several times a day. I want to ask you to pray it with me right now. And after we pray that first part, the the, the breathing in of God life, just, if you can, hold your breath for a moment. Let that settle in. Let that take hold of you. If you can do that. And then we will breathe out the second part, the breathing out of God life. Okay? Okay. Let's, let's breathe in. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God. Now let's pray that second part, the exhaling. Renew me and all the world. That's the first prayer. Use that prayer. The second prayer is a scripture prayer. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through to 21. And we're going to pray this together in just a moment because you can <clears throat> keep this prayer. You can pray it for yourself. You can pray it for others. You can, I hope you will pray it for IPC. Pray it every day, if you would. Pray it. Pray it. Pray it. Because in a in a time of Pem. A pandemic, guess what? I, I think we all leak even a, a little bit more than than usual. So here's the prayer. Let's let's join together as we pray from Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14. I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that. forever and ever. Amen. A year ago, David Vanderspek on behalf of IPC, signed a partnership agreement with the Nehemiah Center in Nicaragua and its director, director Haltner Estrada. Haltner is a transformational leader in Nicaragua, and he's a, a, a good, good friend of, of IPC. Sadly, this past May 11th, Haltner's father passed away from COVID-19. In the days that followed his father's death, Haltner himself developed a high fever. And he's had that fever for 11 days now. He now has pneumonia. The virus has settled into his lungs. We're going to pray for him. And as I pray, I'm reminded of the words of Henri Nouwen. Nguyen wrote this. He wrote, The Holy Spirit, whom Jesus promised to his followers, is the great gift of God. Without the Spirit of Jesus, we can do nothing. But in and through his Spirit, we can live free, joyful, and courageous lives. We cannot create peace and joy, but the Spirit of Christ can fill us with a peace and joy that is not of this world. Did you get that? We cannot create a peace and a joy for Haltner. Haltner cannot create that peace and joy for himself, but the Spirit of Christ can fill Haltner with a peace and joy that is not of this world. The Spirit of God can heal and restore, can release Haltner from the grip of this virus. And I want to pray for that. I want to ask you, in fact, to join me in, in praying together from home, would you pray these words, our prayer together as an IPC family for our friend Haltner Estrada in Nicaragua at the Nehemiah Center? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, breathe your healing and restoring breath into Haltner's lungs and body. Create in him, make real for him, dwell in him with peace. Joy, the the strength of a restored spiritual and physical vitality. Raise him up, release him from his COVID 19 weakness with an energy of mind and spirit and body to be like Jesus and to lead like Jesus and to live like Jesus. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew Haltner, renew Nicaragua, renew Canada. Renew all the world. And for this we pray in the healing name of the one who is our peace and joy, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The blessing of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, dwell in you, live in you this day and always. Amen.